One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Let's go, buddy. Okay. Not be late. I'm not late. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Let's go. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, jmintheam.org. And it is a Thursday evening here in New York City. Snow is upon us, blizzard warnings and the like, and the big test for the new mayoralty of Bill de Blasio, as well as some others coming into office uh, newly elected, I'd say a day up in Rockland County is going to have a challenge in uh, some of those. It's always tough, you know, that we've had sn- storms in the past that have crippled, absolutely crippled the mayoralties or the executive ships or the governorships of many a lofty politician. But uh, we're not going to focus on that this evening. We are going to really kind of recap 2013 year in review and you know, wait to January to do that because, you know, politics is a, a day or a week. It's like an eternity in politics. So you want to make sure that up until the, December 31st at midnight, you haven't properly put the year that has passed to bed. And, of course, I talk about the Gregorian calendar, not our official new year. But let's get right into it. we got a great lineup. What we're going to do is a little bit of a format change here. Instead of some long interviews, we're going to have a number of different pundits and pu- journalists and those involved in politics who are observers of the world of politics out there who are going to answer some uh, very pointed questions from us put together by esteemed panel by executive assistant of Rummy and myself. Uh, and we are going to just uh, kick it off. I'm just going to mention the sponsor, Beckerman Communications, Beckerman Public Relations, Beckerman Public Affairs, building market leadership and reputation through strategic communications. Tell your story with Beckerman, BeckermanPR.com. Now we got the maintenance items out of the way, housekeeping items. Going to run right into our first guest, Stephen I. Weiss, news editor at the Jewish Channel. And uh, he had the privilege of sitting with a number of the New York City mayoral candidates as well as other political figures from 2013. Stephen, welcome back to Spin Class. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Stephen... In your mind, most interesting political story of 2013? Well, you know, you sent me these questions, and I broke them down into best political, best political surprise, uh, that all these things. I did a New York story for you, and I've got a federal story and an Israel story for you. But I think uh, locally, the, the best political story, unquestionably, Anthony Weiner and Elliot Spitzer, uh, it provided so much fodder for journalists. Uh, and uh, and also, it, 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 it was a significant indicator of what American politics is like in terms of can people come back from these kinds of scandals and, and, and generate new political careers. And for Anthony Weiner and Elliot Spitzer, is obviously a no. It, well, Weiner yeah. says he's not done, and uh, Spitzer seems to be more toxic than ever these days, uh, strangely enough. But uh, right. we'll, we'll probably get to and, that Anthony later. Weiner can say a, a lot of things, but I, th- I think what's interesting is the political class has completely given up on him. Political reporters, interestingly, are personally disgusted by him in a way that I, I was surprised by. Uh, but but they like having him around so they can write about him. Okay, biggest yeah. political surprise then? Uh, well, the, the, the obvious thing to say would be that de Blasio do, dominating, the, dominating the primary was a surprise. I didn't think it was that much of a surprise. 
because I think people should have been paying attention to him earlier. But uh, but clearly, you know, a guy going from down uh, down near the bottom of polling all the way up to completely dominating the primary and avoiding a runoff uh, was a very big very big change in perception. Biggest political winner. I'm going to go with three people here: Letitia James, Gail Brewer, and Scott Stringer. Oh, okay. Uh, three people who've basically uh, extended their careers uh, in ways that uh, several dozen people have not. Who've not won a next stage election. Who are getting term limited out now or soon in the council or or, or some other office. Okay, and and specifically those three, or there's you, know, you didn't add Bill De Blasio into that one. He, well, he of Bill De Blasio, that... I think, could have you know he could have he could have suffered defeat here and gone on to other things. Uh, but but um, but you know, but I think specifically them, you know, he he could have you know he could have done a lot of things. Okay, I I, I liked it. I liked Tish James and and Gail Brewer because they definitely had the they definitely had the uh, the chops. The political chops to win very very tough uh, hard fought uh, primaries. Right, I think the whole the whole team supporting Dan Squad Dan Squadron did not see this coming. No, no, I agree with that. James. And um, they probably should have, given the fact that the previous time there was a runoff in uh, the was uh, for the controllers race back in the Yaski John Lou race, and Yaski absolutely got creamed with the same type of coalition. Right, but but and for me, you know, a lot of my initial coverage of of a lot of these things goes back to two thousand one. Uh, and the elections that that saw a lot of these people come into office in the council, uh, you know, in, in one fell swoop with with term limits for the first time, and uh, and one of the big questions I had, I and I still have, is what are all these people going to do? Dozens of people uh, with no job today, uh, who had a job uh, being council member for a long time, no longer have it. Some of them and, will and, undoubtedly run for state office, I imagine, in the ne- in the coming year. Yeah, but those are those aren't term limited offices. Those are occupied offices by and large. And uh, Tish James, Gail Brewer, uh, they made it out. Okay, excellent. Biggest political loser, and I guess uh, I should say losers, since in the plural, since you gave me three winners. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Christine Quinn and Mike Bloomberg are both huge political losers on the year in the sense that uh, Christine Quinn. I mean, you, you, there, there's there's probably no one in American politics this year who went from as high a perception to as as low a final execution and a final election result. Um, I, I, it's, it's hard to think of anyone else anywhere in recent years who who had that gap in terms of the perception of what they could do and the and then the reality of what actually resulted from their campaign. And then Michael Bloomberg has had his legacy jumped on, peed on, stomped on uh, all year long and. Uh, with the inauguration yesterday, that continued, and I think that's going to continue. And um, it's really interesting that Michael Bloomberg, on the way out, uh, facing low approval ratings and well, low approval ratings. His his approval ratings for a third term mayor are pretty are pretty lofty, actually. For a third term mayor, right? It's all relative, uh, but um, but compared to the kind of person he the the kind of beloved mayor he might want to be or the or how I think he and his staff would perceive their accomplishments and where those should stack up uh in terms of the kinds of approval that they would like to see. Uh, I mean a lot of the other third term mayors uh had had really scandal plagued uh uh third terms. So, you know, it's not it's not it's it's a it's a pretty poor group to outperform them is not necessarily a great indicator uh of of where one stands, but uh I I mean I think his legacy 
was just tarnished by other people this year, not necessarily himself, although obviously a lot of his commentary on stop and frisk what was affecting his perception. But, uh, but you know, coming out of this, it, the narrative going forward is being set by people like Bill, De, very much by people like Bill de Blasio, uh, a great many people who have not kind things to say about Michael Bloomberg and his, and his 12 years. Okay, very fair enough. I'll, I'll... You know, I don't want to debate and quibble too much. I think that uh, you, you certainly have highlighted the idea that his stock, his political stock, is lower now than it had been. I think there's no question about that. I think all in all, personally, that most people, and we, we discussed this on a sh- our show two weeks ago, I think most people will be very happy in New York with the Bloomberg legacy. He's built, rebuilt so much of the city. Right. And- Actually, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, one of my major mentors, uh, Wayne Barrett, formerly of the Village Voice, um, who uh, yes, I, 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 Wayne Barrett. I mean, he he he, he was he, quoted. I, I was busy in the hospital. He said, you know, I I gave an interview to the Globe and Mail. He gave an interview to the Globe and Mail uh, where he was asked about Bloomberg. He said, I believe Bloomberg is the best mayor. Uh, that I've covered, uh, going back to, and he said, told me personally, he said, going back to John Lindsay. And, uh, it turns out that, that, uh, the press office at City Hall and so forth hadn't known about this, and I tweeted it and highlight, and, and asked them had they seen this, that, uh, that Wayne Barrett had said this, and they were shocked and pleased, and, uh, the mayor actually called Wayne Barrett in the hospital. Um, uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, but Wayne really did this, very systematic look at uh, at what had been done, what had been uh, what had been hoped for throughout uh, you know the you know north of forty years that he's been covering politics in New, in New York, and uh, and he came out to the absolute conclusion, a calculated conclusion that mayor that Michael Bloomberg had been the best mayor. Yeah, he, I, his his quote exactly was, "I do believe that it would be fair to say that at the end of twelve years, Bloomberg is the best mayor I ever covered." And which is, as you yeah. as you're pointing out, is very surprising for one Wayne Barrett, uh, who is uh, probably over the time one of the premier investigative reporters out there. So, Steve, thank you very much for joining us, and we're going to conclude our lightning round uh, of questions, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. All right. Have a good one. Happy New Year. You too. Uh, this is Spin Class. We're sponsored by Beckerman Communications, and uh, another person coming down to the firing line, Jacob Cornblu, the ubiquitous uh, blogger and, uh, I, I guess, talent extraordinaire for covering Jewish issues right now uh, and Orthodox Jewish issues on the campaign trail, and uh, certainly wore out the shoe leather over the last uh, year and a half of covering the mayoral race. Uh, Jacob, welcome back to Spin Class. It's an honor to be back on the air with you. Happy uh, Secular New Year to you. Uh, Happy New Year. It's still our calendar. Okay, fantastic. Okay, Jacob, best political story of 2013. Uh, Of course, um, my best political story uh, could be attributed to the video that attracted 1.8 million viewers, and that's uh, uh, Anthony Weiner exploding Arab Rosh Hashanah on a Jewish kid. The, ba- the bakery meltdown. Yeah, and uh, I guess uh, Weiner was already down by that point, by nine uh, to nine points. Uh, he wasn't seen as a top-tier candidate for mayor, but still the, the, um, the way how it was portrayed in the media was Erev Rosh Hashanah, and it was after uh, he vowed to still stay in the race after this entire uh, embattled campaign, all the stories that came out from sources within the campaign and everything, he still 
was on the trail and he tried to reconvey his message, but a few days before the primary, everything exploded, and uh, I think that what was the what was the money was the, quote? What was the money quote from that exchange in your mind? You, the the it was quite long, which is pretty incredible for a mayoral candidate to spend that long engaging quote unquote one voter. What was the money line that that Wiener? Said? The money line was that Wiener actually accused a voter of not being a voter. <laughs> he 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 challenged him for 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 questioning his moral authority because it's up to the voters to decide if he's a viable candidate or not, not knowing that whoever's going to watch the video or whoever he was speaking to was also an eligible voter. Okay, Jacob, biggest political surprise of 2013? Uh, the biggest surprise, I would say, uh, uh, unpredictable surprise, was the election of Chaim Deutsch in the 48th District Council. Interesting. So you, so nobody saw that coming. Is that what you're saying? I don't even think the the candidate. I mean, now Councilman uh, um, Chaim Deutsch even saw it coming. I mean, this was the only seat that was seen in New York City politics that the Republicans would gain, not lose. I mean, Eric Olowicz also had a tough campaign, but he was still the favorite to to retain his seat. Here you're talking about Southern Brooklyn. All of the progressive elected officials came from Brooklyn, citywide races, local races, and David Strobin was seen as the one that would uh, uh, um, gain this seat since it was a Russian district, since he had the support of the independents, conservative, and Republican Party. Chaim Deutsch just won a primary, unpredictable he beat uh, uh, Ari Kagan, who was seen as the favorite to win the Democratic primary. He went on to to campaign door by door in the community. He still was seen as a long shot. He had a good campaign. He had a good message. But he was still a long shot in a certainly more conservative uh, Russian district. And he just beat the crap out of his opponent and that's yeah it wasn't it wasn't even close it wasn't even close i mean there was no question yeah. about it okay jacob biggest political winner of 2013 obviously everybody would look at mayor de blasio as the biggest uh a winner because after 20 years he retained the uh control of city hall but i would actually say that the biggest winner is not like the time magazine did last year it's the orthodox jewish revolt because if you look back at, uh, and you, you of course, uh, um, uh, would, would uh, uh, have more uh, instincts to it as uh, to, to my ability. I just covered this first race. But the Orthodox Jewish vote got a lot of attention of candidates from all backgrounds and for all uh, uh, offices came down to the community uh, interacted with uh, individual voters on the street, spent money, spent time. Uh, the Republican candidate, Joe Loder, uh, spent a tremendous amount of time in the, in the Orthodox community. He actually got a pretty significant uh, um, amount of votes uh, considered to the blowout he got uh, yeah, citywide. 
And, you know, so, for so the Republicans, this would be the only reliable voting bloc. Uh, obviously, uh, voters are reasonable. They wouldn't uh, uh, go with the head in, in the wall and just elect, elect somebody because he's a Republican or conservative. But they are still a reliable voting bloc. They don't sell themselves so much uh, when it comes to issues or when it comes to voter outreach. Right. Okay. Biggest political loser, 2013. Elliot Spitzer. Spitzer more than Wiener? Yes. Okay. Explain. Elliot Spitzer uh, was five years out of public eye. He obviously he 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 was on. He was still. Uh, uh, known for his infamous uh, uh, story of resignation, but he was still seen as somebody that may have mended uh, uh, his, his, uh, you know, his uh, um, family relations. He may have uh, thought about it, and nobody even expected him to jump into the race. Scott, Scott Stringer was seen as as the citywide. Um, um, Eric Adams of Brooklyn. Nobody even challenged him. And suddenly, Spitzer comes in. Everybody mocked him. He went on to collect 27,000 signatures. He was up in the polls, 20, 25%. And there was no fresh scandal during the campaign that would have prevented him from losing this race. And on election day, he just lost it. He didn't get the confidence Right. Voters and, so I was and at, Jacob, I was actually going to say that the reason you consider him to be the biggest loser is because he seems to be so toxic that his current girlfriend, who was poised to be uh, press secretary for the new mayor, apparently is out of a job because of her connection with him. So I, I think that's well, pretty that, incredible. That's already the political gossip of the ah, year. Ah, political gossip of the year. Okay, well, we'll have to gonna, we're going to have to continue on with the questions. I only have time for those four, Jacob, but I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks for enduring the lightning round. Uh, Jacob Kornblue, the great blogger. Follow him on Yeshiva World News and elsewhere. How, are you maintaining the other websites, uh, Jacob, currently? No, I'm maintaining my Twitter handle. Just the Twitter time. handle. Tell, tell the audience, please. It's at Jacob Kornblue. Jacob, K-O-R-N-B-L-U-H. Jacob Cornblue, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. Always a pleasure. This is Spin Class, sponsored by Beckerman, and our next guest, Jessica Proud of NLO, and she is the go-to person for many a Republican candidate here in the city and state of New York. Jessica, welcome back to Spin Class. Thank you, Michael. Great to be with you. Happy New Year to you. And uh, you. as we uh, enter 2014, take a quick look back at 2013, if you will, and you were involved in some uh, some good campaigns that you'd certainly, uh, such as electing Rob Rastorino to a second term and, uh, you know, other good campaigns that were not quite so successful, uh, like Joe Loda. But, mm-hmm. uh, but all in all, it's been an eventful year. It has been an eventful year, and I think even if you look at the national level, just um, there's been a tremendous amount of impactful, impactful news that's that's come out and um, really shaping the debate as we move forward. You know, you're, you're always moving forward in politics. Nothing stays static. Excellent. Uh, so what's your biggest political, your best political story of 2013? I mean, I really have to take, there's, it was a crazy year, um, and I think there's a lot you could choose from. Obamacare rollout, the federal government shutdown, certainly the highs and lows, ups and downs of the mayor's race. But to me, I thought, 
the biggest story of the year that had both an international and domestic impact was Edward Snowden, and it's obviously something that we're continuing to talk about today. The New York Times just had an editorial on it um, that's causing a lot of controversy. So to me, the whole debate over the NSA and the role of the intelligence and especially how it impacts New York and protecting us from, from terrorists, I think, was the biggest story of the year. Interesting. That's a great one, I have to say. That little bit out of left field from my from where I'm sitting right now, but I, I agree that that really has engendered so much in the way of not only a, a political divide, but real you know real issues with regards to government and overreach or not enough reach of governments out there. So there's I think that certainly uh, that man was certainly a catalyst for a lot of questions and a great New Yorker piece from uh, uh, from Ryan Lisa on that. I think mm-hmm. that that was. Uh, from a couple weeks ago. So I encourage the audience to check that one out because it talks about how people on the Hill have been trying to get that information for so long. Uh, so biggest political surprise. Now that now that you surprised me with the Snowden answer, which I think is a good one, give me, <laughs> well, the, think, give me your biggest you know, surprise. The most obvious one is obviously um, Bill de Blasio being elected the 109th mayor of the city of New York. Um, you know, certainly from my perspective, I I always sort of viewed him as formidable. I thought someone that had a real ideological bent and someone that had an activist background would be someone that could really turn turn out the vote in a, in a primary election. And when, when you have such a small percentage of voters participating, someone that, that has that, that energized base built in already could be successful. But obviously, I don't think anyone truly anticipated, you know, his that, that his candidacy would catch fire the way it did and, and really create a celebrity-like status. And it was, um, I think, very surprising for everyone to watch. Oh, excellent uh, analysis there. Were you surprised by the lack of respect, I would call it, or lack of acknowledgement given to Mike Bloomberg? Um, it, it almost I mean, seen Elliot Spitzer I was really disappointed by it. I think... Um, I thought it was really undignified. I think if you look past at past transitions, whether it be president or, you know, whatever administration it is, um, there's always a gracious tone to it. And, you know, I just, it, it felt like a really um, wrong way to start out a new administration and a new year. And I think over time, as he gets used to being in this job and facing the challenges that the mayor has to face every single day, I think he will quickly gain an appreciation for how hard it is to govern. But I think it was, you know, regardless of your political... Maybe even tonight when he has to clear the snow. ...facts that, um, that, you know, the city is in a better position today than it was 12 years ago. So that nope. was really unfortunate. Jessica, biggest political winner, 2013. Well, I'm going to have to go with Rob Astorino on that one, <laughs> partly because he's my client. But I think um, never, you, know, never, you can never plug a client enough. You can't, <laughs> right? Well, Rob, um, you know, really came into office four years ago with a very strong um, agenda of what he wanted to accomplish, and and he really, you know, sort of ruffled a lot of feathers. He took on a lot of big, bold fights, whether it was the federal government dealing with the HUD issue. Um, dealing with the labor unions and negotiating contracts, getting the budget under control, stopping the runaway spending. Those were huge accomplishments, and, and he achieved them through, you know, a lot of artful politics and 
you know, staying true to his word and working very hard. And he did face a very aggressive challenger. It's a two-to-one Democratic seat. He had Obama people working against him, Cuomo people working against him, you know, them trying to turn the race into, you know, social issues and issues about guns and abortion. And I think he really um, definitely stayed on message and was able to, you know, to win with a huge percentage of the vote in a very Democratic county, despite a lot of obstacles against him. So. Excellent. Biggest political loser, 2013. Um, I have to say President Obama, you know, whether it was you have to. That you, can you have to say it. Plan. I have to say President Obama. I mean, look, Spitzer and Wiener certainly would be, you know, close close seconds in that list. But the president um, has had a really disastrous year, and um, between the federal government shutdown, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. You know, his poll numbers are quite anemic. He's, I think, has the worst numbers since Nixon had at this stage of his presidency. So. Um, he had a very difficult year, and I think he's going to have an even worse one in 2014. So, <laughs> is is it possible for it to get worse? Are you trying to say something about the midterms? Well, yeah, I'm predicting a strong midterms. I think um, you know, if you look at even his numbers in New York, which is such a blue state, he's he's really lost the trust of the American people and squandered a huge mandate that he had and. It's gonna. I I think it's very hard to build it back once you lose it. So I don't anticipate him going up from here. Well, I imagine that uh, that the Republicans uh, might. Well, well, hopefully in in their mind, I say, I guess from your perspective, uh, capitalize on some of that. Although, uh, yeah, I, if, we've if, been known to this, shoot ourselves in the foot. I, 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 I was I was just getting to that. This is after a year of uh, really uh, burying themselves pretty deep in in. Uh, uh, and I guess Obamacare was somewhat of a gift, uh, but there was so much else that the Republicans did to themselves, particularly in the aftermath of the 2012 election. So th- mm-hmm. 2013 wasn't such a great year for the Republicans either. No, it wasn't. I think you'll continue to see a schism between the party of, you know, the Tea Party and the more centrist Republicans. Um, and, you know, that's going to continue to create jams. But I, but I think everyone is sort of united around the cause against, um, being against Obamacare, trying to do well politically. And, and it looks like there's some good candidates that are emerging, and that's the key to it. Okay, excellent. Jessica Proud, uh, GOP consultant and uh, spokeswoman, go-to spokeswoman for GOP candidates in New York. Thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. Thanks so much, Michael. Happy New Year. This is Spin Class, and we are sponsored by Beckman, bringing you the 2013 year political year in review. And we have on the line Yochanan Dunn, news editor and political editor at Hamodia. Yochanan, welcome to Spin Class. Thanks, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. So, what's your best political story of 2013? Um, I guess uh, it, it would be a lie to say that the mayoral race was not the most interesting story, but uh, there were other some other, some other uh, political races which got some less coverage, but. Uh, have a bearing on 2014, which we're in already. Okay. The the county rate, local county races in uh, in Nassau and uh, Westchester. Um, any specific uh, ones? Any any good names that you want to throw out there? Well, I think it was interesting that uh, Mangano pulled off a, a, a re-election. Um, yeah, know, big win, was, very uh, large he was win. Obviously, the first uh, Tea Party, um, you know, candidate across the country. 
you know, the fact that he took uh, NASA four years ago was uh, was interesting, and even more interesting that he won re-election. But uh, I, I wouldn't say that you know, as NASA goes, so goes the state. But uh, you know, obviously, people are talking about Westchester and Rob Astorino. He was a, a rising star in the Republican Party. Um, you know, going back at least a year ago. And uh, the fact that he pulled off a comfortable win, you know, shows something about uh, about his power. So, do, so Republican have... county executives winning election, I think, is the uh, is is the story you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, big... yeah, a day. That's a big win, uh, and the the from community was particularly involved in that one. Yeah, yeah. Obviously on the wrong side, but uh, they were they were very um, involved in that race. Yeah. Okay. Biggest political surprise of 2013. The biggest political surprise, I guess you could say, uh, yesterday's inauguration. <laughs> you mean the fact that it happened at all, or something that happened at the inauguration? <laughs> the fact that it happened at all. You know, De Blasio was, uh, you know, you know, he was like, uh, he was like the last of the seven dwarves, and uh, he managed to, to make it. Wow, you put him behind Sal Albanese. Interesting, <laughs> and Eric Salgado, for that matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was always considered a, a, a credible candidate, and as, as soon as things started getting serious, he uh, he managed to pull through, and uh, he made it. He made it to the finish line. I think the biggest surprise was of the whole race that there was no runoff. Nobody was expecting that. I agree with that. That is that to me. That is the biggest surprise uh, so far. So I was hoping somebody were going to get to that one specifically. Your biggest political winner of 2013. Well, obviously, Bill de Blasio is the political winner of 2013. Um, I, okay, I, that's I, enough. I, that's I, enough said. Jacob Kornblu said it was Chaim Deutsch, actually the biggest surprise and the big and and the biggest winner. But I, I I agree with you. I think that that as you if you put winners out there, you got to actually come up with the winner. And that was a national type of uh, nationally recognized type win for Bill de Blasio. So no yeah, question about yeah. that. I would not say that Chaim Deutsch was a political surprise because people who were following his race. Uh, um, said from the from the get go that he had a good chance. Um, obviously, things are made harder by redistricting, but uh, but he got in and he never looked back. He was a hard worker, and uh, and you know, and he counted on the community to support him, and he got the support. Interesting. Biggest political loser. Biggest political loser. I would just add one more winner to the thing, you know, if I could say this. I think John. Ah, uh, that's a cop out. If you turn around and just, you know, you don't want to name anybody's a loser, but I'll take cop outs. That's fine. I appreciate it. I think John Katzenbetides has been saying for the past couple of months that if he would have been the winner, then he would have been able to win over De Blasio. So the fact that he lost the primary, uh, you know, gives him a slight, you know, I, I can put him in the winner's column for that. Now I gotta, I gotta ask, dig a little deeper on that. He lost the primary. After spending fourteen million dollars, and you're putting him in the winners column because he might have won had he been in there. Um, the 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 primary was a very low uh, a value, a very low um, output. Very few people showed up. At so that should be easier for him to win. Yeah, but the fact that uh, you know, this, I'm just saying that this is what he's been saying. He's been saying that he would have been able to win. I understand where you go. I understand where you're going with this. It's a euphemistic winner type of situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got it. Okay, that's uh, fair enough. I imagine that John Katzmatidis has the chops to go ahead and run again in a future time. Uh, any anything bold that you'd like to predict for the coming year? Anything bold. Not so bold. Don't go out in a limb. That's fine. You can make it. Make it just, um, you know, Avery. What are you expecting in 2014? 
I expect the Brooklyn to be uh, to, to you know to to get the proper um, to get the proper place in city politics for the first time in many years. Uh, first of all, we have a mayor from there. I expect the Brooklyn delegation, the city council, to be uh, you know to to get some you know better uh, committee uh, chairmanships. I expect uh, I expect whoever you know whoever is the the winner of the city council race as, as the council speaker race to. Uh, um, that either he or she, either Dan Garadnik or Melissa Mark Veverito will be uh, uh, the speaker will have a lot less power than uh, than under Chris Quinn. Um, I expect. Okay, I, I think that's I think that's great, and certainly I we are definitely moving in a more Brooklyn centric uh, direction with the mayor and the Brooklyn. Uh, Mayor being from Brooklyn and the Brooklyn City Council delegation being empowered by the potential for a speaker deal. So, Yochum and Don from Hamodia, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. We hope to have you again in the near future. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Yochum. Uh, happy New Year. And this is Spin Class. We are sponsored by Beckerman. Beckerman Public Relations, Beckerman Communications. If you want to get your message out, tell it with Beckerman. And we have Carrie Lyon on the line from SKD Knickerbocker. Based. Hi, Michael. Hey, Carrie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And uh, just give you a quick uh, rundown of the bio since your first time on the show. Managing Director at SKD Knickerbocker. She spent the past 15 years developing communications and public relations experience as a strategist and award-winning journalist. So you're yep, kind of wearing... Since I was a teenager. I, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> it'd be even earlier than that because yeah, from, what, from the pictures, it seems that you're about 25. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, you were, uh, I guess, peripherally involved in what one of our other guests has has termed the biggest loser of the of the year, that being Christine Quinn campaign. But I'm not going to tie you specifically to anything. Just uh, you know, kind of ask you the same questions everybody else has been getting. But we're going to recap 2013 with you, and uh, hopefully you have some some uh, good insight to add to the mix. Uh, what is your biggest political story of 2013? You you want uh, what I think locally or what I think nationally? It, what or I can give you give us everything. My thoughts on both. Sure. Yeah, full download. Okay, cool. Um, I actually think one of the most inspiring stor- political stories of the year was actually the Supreme Court's decision to overturn DOMA. I think it paved the way for marriage equality across the country. And I mean, I've never seen, and I think a lot of folks haven't seen, public opinion shift as quickly as it did on an issue like it did with this one. Um, I think having um, a hero like an 84-year-old Edie Windsor, you know, running out of the Supreme Court, jumping into the air like Toyota style, um, was a pretty amazing sight, and it's not one that I will personally quickly forget. That, that um, is interesting. Just actually, from your experience, just to take that, mm-hmm. uh, take that as it is, and I agree with you. The shift on marriage equality, and you know, I think someone in my listening audience might call it different, call it different terms. We'll go with marriage equality for now. Uh, that shift in public opinion has been remarkable and it's changed in a very, very short time. And even though you've had some pushback, there's some states that have gone gone the other way, it seems public opinion is very much on the side of of what you said, of, of overturning laws like DOMA. Even though you had a referendum, I think, in North Carolina that, that went the other way and quite a few states have gone the other way. What do you, where's, what is that? Better packaging or just a general shift or a, a demographic shift? What, what is it? What do you attribute that to? I think it's a little bit of both, and I think what was really interesting about the uh, Supreme Court decision in particular is that 
you know, the Supreme Court isn't necessarily swayed by public opinion, right? They're swayed by law. They're swayed by the Constitution. But I think that um, just that sort of overwhelming feeling that especially states across the country were moving in that direction, and there just seemed to be, uh, through people's personal stories, um, just this, you know, idea that this is okay, and people are okay with it, they're more, they're more comfortable with it. Uh, public opinion polls showing that the majority of people who didn't support it even two years ago now support it. Um, I think that that really helped, uh, that really helped pave the way. I, you know, I, I can't necessarily speak to what exactly it was, um, but it was certainly something felt, I think, at the federal level as well as at the state level. Very interesting. Biggest political surprise of 2013. I, I think it was the last-minute surge of Bill de Blasio and his landslide victory. Um, I think that he really tapped into a sentiment for change that a lot of folks probably underestimated, and it's going to be really interesting to see now that he's mayor how he capitalizes on that mandate and really seeks to institute this progressive agenda. I think it was a real. I think it was surprising, and I think it inspired a lot of people across the city as well. So an inspirational win, not just a regular political type of win. You know, not this the regular okay, we elected somebody, but this is actually a movement type of win. I think it was a movement um, for sure, and I think that if, I mean, if your next question is what, you know, the biggest political winner of the year, I would, I would think that building off of that, I think political progressivism may just be the political winner of the year. I think a lot of folks, and especially this fight against um, income inequality, which even at the inauguration yesterday, I think it was Bill Clinton who said that this is not a uniquely New York problem by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's really a national problem. Nobody's been able to, able to figure it out. Um, but I think that New York is going to become a real bellwether for how you address issues like this and whether Bill de Blasio is able or not able to, um, to, to narrow that gap uh, is going to be a real um, is going to be a real test for him, but also a real bellwether for the nation. Right, and I think as a previous guest mentioned, assuming he can pull it off, I think that that's the question: is that the city still has to work, right? And people have this expectation over the last you know, twenty years that the city is functional. Once it becomes dysfunctional, you people don't want to worry about some of these other greater issues out there. And I, right. I mean, listen, the success of a mayor doesn't just rise or fall on his, um, his or her, hopefully one day, her political agenda, but it also just on the way that they run the city. For instance, you know, you've got to be able to plow the streets tomorrow. And uh, that's going to be the real first test of his administration is not, um, you know, which of his policies he can get past, um, you know, the fastest, but whether he can, you know, safely clean the streets and, and everybody's okay. You know, people really will judge their mayors um, on how, on their own personal experiences, whether they can get their kids to school, whether they can get to work. So tomorrow's going to be a very interesting day, I think, for the new mayor. Okay, just uh, another quick follow-up on that. What does that say about the what is being termed the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party versus the Hillary Clinton wing of the Democratic Party? You know, I think that there, I think there's room for... Or the Andrew Cuomo wing of the Democratic Party. Well, I'll, you know... Well, I think what's exciting right now is there seems to be uh, room for all of them. <laughs> well, there's always room in the party. I'm just curious as to the different camps out there. Where does uh, Bill de Blasio fit in, particularly, given he is a obviously Clintonian in a, in he, from, a, from a from a Clinton family perspective? Uh, the Clintons were. I mean, front given center. the policies that he says that he wants to institute and what he calls a progressive or a liberal agenda, I'd say he's to 
he's probably more in the Elizabeth Warren camp, but, you know, Bill de Blasio would probably say he's in his own camp. And I think that given the bully pulpit that is New York City um, and the fact that, um, you know, it really is the capital of the world, I think that, you know, ultimately what he can or can't do here is going to be watched by the rest of the nation. So I would I'd maybe, you know, put him in a class of his own right now. Kind of like Bloomberg had his own camp after after an amount of time. You know, yep. He couldn't be classified. So Bill de Blasio might kind of build that own his own brand. Biggest political loser of 2013. Oh, I, I think I'd put a few things in that category. I think that the U.S. Congress was probably one of the biggest losers of the year. I think that the fact that we have this atmosphere that really places a premium on watching your enemies fail has just, you know, led to like a further eroding of the of the of the country's faith in government um, and confidence in government and its ability to work for the people. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out this year in the midterms. Um, I think here in the city, if you are a fan of horse and carriage rides in Central Park, I think that, you know, you're kind of a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Just the little things. uh, I guess if you're a friend of pedestrian plazas, those are possibly here to stay. I am. I I like them personally, so that's good. All right, and you are very involved in charter schools. Uh, the the Are the charter schools possibly a big loser in this uh, new administration and new schools chancellor? You know, I think that we have to see how that plays out. I think that um, some of their early talk about uh, moratoriums on uh, on charter schools is troublesome, and it's, and it's worrisome given that there is so much demand for these schools. There's 50,000 kids who are currently on wait lists for charter schools across New York City. You know, but I think at the end of the day, everybody shares the same values, which is providing kids a great public education. And hopefully everybody can find a way to work together to make sure that the kids who are getting a great education continue to get it. And those that aren't, um, we can expand opportunities for them as well. Excellent. Carrie Lyon, SKD, Knickerbocker, and want to thank you for coming on spin class hopefully we'll have you again in the very near future that would be great michael thanks and happy new year again happy new year to you uh and this is spin class we are sponsored by beckerman communications beckerman public relations and want to now turn to another brooklyn hand a frequent guest on the show and a good uh, pundit of everything uh, local in uh, new york city politics Kalman yeager Kalman, thanks for coming on once again to spin class great to be back Fantastic. So, Kalman, your biggest political story of 2013? Oh, it's got to be Bill de Blasio. It's got to be. Okay. It's got to be. Uh, it's uh, uh, a summer surprise, a summer surge, a late summer surge uh, that, that most people did not see coming, uh, most people didn't expect. Um, and uh, he just rode it to the end. Uh, and I think the, the fact that he managed not only to surge as much as he did, uh, but to really change the order of the finishers uh uh, in a way that people just didn't see coming. Uh, Christine Quinn, uh, instead of being first, uh, instead of being second, ended up being third. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Uh, and then he managed to close it out without a runoff. Uh, and that's, that's probably one of the biggest, biggest stories. Yes, I, I was mentioned earlier, and I, that's you know, my biggest political story was the, uh, was the lack of a runoff. I yeah. think that everybody assumed there was going to be a runoff, and the idea of getting to 40% was so far-fetched. Yep. And I've seen these races, and, and, you know, I've been involved in mayoral elections where the runoffs uh, were not anticipated, and then, you know, you close it out, and it's, uh, oh, whoops, there might be a runoff. And here it was just the opposite. Uh, it just didn't look like there was going to be one. Okay, so is that also your biggest political surprise? It's not. It's the biggest political surprise. It's the biggest political winner. 
Um, uh, Wait, you can't use the same answer for three questions. Uh, well, I'll, what I'll, kind of test are you taking? Did you do the same thing on the regions? Just go B all I the way down? As long, okay. as, you write, as long as you're consistent in what your answers are, you're always going to pass. Um, but but it's clear. Bill de Blasio has completely, just his last couple of months, completely shook up uh, the political realities of New York, uh, the, polit- the, the expectations of what races will turn out to be. Uh, he just changed the dynamic completely in every way you look at it. Well, Make it interesting. Give us your runner-up, then, as far as the winner. My runner-up winner uh, is is a pending, uh, and that's the city council speaker race. I mean, it looks right now that Melissa Mark Viverito... That's a 2014 uh, winner. I want a 2013 winner. You want a 2013 political winner, yeah. and I would have to say probably Gail Brewer. Oh. Uh, it's it's a it's the kind of story nobody focuses on, but she, she ran for Manhattan Borough President. She got into the race very, very late. Um, everybody had been out there running for a year or two or three before, and she got in, you know, really uh, in the beginning of, of 2000, middle of 2013, uh, and just a complete come-from-behind victory that, that people just didn't see coming, uh, probably owing in large respect to the fact that she's from the Upper West Side, which traditionally has a very large turnout. They also had a favorite son on the ballot for controller, so that probably helped her very much. But I think that was a surprise story that people just didn't see happening. Um, and for borough president races, I think the, the second runner-up story is the fact that Eric Adams became borough president of Brooklyn without a race. Um, and it is almost a, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes people ask themselves, what, you know, what do people think about borough president's jobs anymore at this point if, if you're just going to have races where nobody actually wants to be borough president except for one guy? How come nobody ran? Uh, well, it was probably a combination. Um, uh, p- part of the answer has to do with the fact that they, for a while people expected Dominic Recchia to run, and uh, he was a very heavy, well-funded, heavy-funded, well-known candidate who, uh, with him being in the race, with Eric being in the race, there pretty much wasn't a room for another demographic, another white person, you know, or another black person, or another Latino person. So everything, every demographic was sort of locked up with those two candidates. And when Dominic decided he wasn't going to run for borough president, there just wasn't anybody to step into the void. Uh, it's, it's a million-dollar race, and it's not easy to raise it. Very interesting. Biggest political loser? Biggest political loser has to be Kristen Quinn, um, uh, who I, I, I think that if you... You know, everything she's done in the last five years, uh, starting from 2008, the change in term limits, was designed for this victory in 2013 that didn't happen. And it was about, you know, it, it, the term limit change was always about the fact that she was not, she, she knew at that time that she could not win a 2009 race because of all the scandals regarding the member items at, city, at the city council. So she needed to change the story, and changing the story meant, I'm not going to run. By not running... Uh, she she punted everything down the line, and you know, 2010, 11, and 12, and even most of 13, she was a front runner. Uh, and I don't think anybody foresaw that she she would just completely crumble uh, the way she did. But ultimately, that's exactly what happened. All right, I've kind of held my tongue until now, but I want to address that because in my mind, I personally think that Bill Thompson is a bigger political loser than Christine Quinn. I think if you look at it, Bill Thompson really should have won the primary, or at least gotten into a runoff. And the fact that he didn't really speak so much, he was he was he should have been the, the next in line and really just didn't capitalize on it and really just never got going. Well, it doesn't always work like that. And, and you know, traditionally in politics, when you see, you know, second-chance candidates, there's something very special about that second-chance candidate that makes it happen. You know, Andrew Cuomo was a second-chance candidate who came back from, 
you know, a, a grueling defeat and removal from his, his self-removal from politics. But when you look at, at second chances, you don't really see these, these uh, kind of stories where a candidate, you know, uh, loses and then comes back again four years later to do it again. Rudy Giuliani is an example of something that happened. But there was a dynamic there that, you know, a Dinkins administration of four years that led to Rudy being able to come back and flip it around. You don't see it. Um, my old boss, Freddie Ferrer, who ran in 2001, did not come out of the runoff. Um, you know, ran in 2005, got the nomination without, uh, without a runoff, but uh, couldn't beat the mayor because second chances just well, that was a tight, happened. That was a tight runoff and in it was 2005. A tight, it, well, it was a, it was a that, very tight runoff. It was a 15,891-vote split out of about uh, of several hundred, I think, uh, over half a million votes cast. But it's, it, it, it is the way... The things work uh, when it comes to when it comes to these second chances. You know, people. Every race is its own dynamic, and and Billy Thompson's very close uh, uh, finish in the 2009 race was not necessarily going to lead him to win in 2013 because there were different issues on the table, and one of those issues was, do we want Mayor Bloomberg to be the next mayor? Those who thought no were going to vote for Billy Thompson. It didn't mean that they wanted Billy Thompson to be the mayor as against Bill De Blasio, as against Kristen Quinn. Uh, fair enough. I'm just uh, giving you my own little perspective. Who would be your runner-up on the loser side? Oh, my runner-up on the loser well, side. Well, you, you punted one of the questions is, before, is, so I got to add questions Billy Thompson. Here. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's I think it does a disservice if I don't preface this with saying that a guy like Bill Thompson. You know, he's he's understated in many ways, and one of the ways he's understated is the way we just talked about. You know, this sort of uh, uh, camp, lackadaisical campaign and and a you know, a week, a week run, if you will. This is a guy who literally has, he has amazing success stories. He has had from a number of very, very high profile jobs in the city. Uh, he's, he's done them tremendously and he's a distinguished public servant. But being a distinguished public servant and being a successful politician are not always the same thing. Um, and that's, that's the Bill Thompson. Excellent. Kalman Yeager, political consultant to both Democrats and Republicans, as you like to point out. From time to time. From time to time. And uh, we also learned how he got through law school. So it's <laughs> very interesting. Kalman, you're not on Twitter? No, 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 no. Twitter isn't a Twitter, as you know, Michael, uh, just because you're on it doesn't mean that it's not an accursed tool in our society. You know, I, I have managed to stay out of the wiener... I was going to say, my former congressman will teach you a thing or two about Twitter. Well, what, I was... I, what, what I will give, the closing thought on Twitter. Yes, I will give say us a closing that, closing thought. Very closing thought. The closing thought is that if if you can say it in 140 characters, pick up the phone and say it. Okay, well, well said. I think it's that old government adage out there. If you uh, you know what you can't write, uh, you know shouldn't email or say and you know, whatever if you can't uh, you know really leave no paper trail i think that's what you're trying to say <laughs> exactly exactly I'll, I'll get to it eventually i can't remember it's not on the tip of my tongue calvin yeager thanks for joining us here on spin class great to be back be well happy new year and uh, welcome uh, to spin class and we are here with aaron trudler uh paul revere public relations and assorted other hats that he wears maybe he'll tell us about them maybe not aaron welcome back to spin class Michael, it's always a pleasure to be here. Happy New Year. So, Aaron, uh, you know, you reside on the other and operate on the other side of the Hudson from where we are. You know, that being New Jersey, Rockland, and those and those areas. So, get right. a little little perspective on 2013 from across the pond, not the Atlantic pond, but that pond of the Hudson. 
uh, from a New Yorker perspective. So what was your biggest political story of 2013? Uh, I think it's actually very interesting. I think the biggest political story, not just from across the river, as you, as you mentioned, but I think on a, on a really on a national and an international scale, was uh, NSA leaker Ed, Edward Snowden. Um, and the reason why I say that is I think that uh, when, when the 30-year-old former defense contractor and, I guess, now fugitive, started divulging inside information about the NSA's extensive uh, uh, surveillance and intelligence program, it essentially turned Washington upside down. Uh, it, it, and, and, and the political ramifications are, are, are quite dire for the, for the Obama administration in that uh, the administration was all of a sudden forced to confront an issue that I think they wanted to avoid probably at all costs. Uh, and then when you had revelations uh, come forth that the NSA had monitored, monitored phone and Internet uh, conversations and, and data from millions of Americans and from and the foreign leaders, foreign leaders, including leaders from from Israel. Uh, you know, the world just just totally uh, chaos ensued. And I think that you know, President Obama had basically went on the defensive, even though some of these steps were, and methodologies were obviously in place before he he assumed office. Nonetheless, you know, the buck stops here. He's in the White House right now, and he was forced to confront them. And, uh, you know, when you throw into the mix that Edward Snowden, you know, fled to Russia and, and, and was granted asylum by then, which, by, by Russia, which led to this sort of international political tussle with, uh, with Russia and the United States and created its own political drama, you know, in my opinion, hands down, that's the biggest political story of the year. Fantastic. Actually, that matches a previous political guest, uh, uh, Jessica Proud, who also said that. And I think that Snowden uh, kind of changed my own understanding as, as far as that I, I i gotta agree with that one i mean that that's that's you know I, as far as a game-changing type of revelation and development and not necessarily on the political side but really something that really upends the status quo snowden is way up there so what's your yeah. biggest political surprise so i think the political surprise and again uh there, there's two one's on the new york side and I'll, you know one's on the new jersey side of the river i'll start with new jersey i think i think on the new jersey side um i think be uh, one of the biggest political surprises, and you know, I'd actually, you know, deem this guy one of the biggest political winners as well. Is Steve Fuller? Now, who's Steve Fuller? Steve Fuller was uh, new mayor of Jersey City. Mayor of Jersey City. I, Michael, you, you're an astute uh, political operative. You know all these things. I, I don't know that all the listeners out there know who he is. But let me tell you, Mayor Fuller, uh, a Jewish know, guy, a Jewish guy. You know, grandparents. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, went through the Holocaust and all the atrocities that took place then. But, but this here's a guy, 36 years old. Um, he he took on the Hudson County political machine in New Jersey to beat Mayor Jeremiah Healy by by quite a decisive mar- margin. I mean, he won 52 to 38 percent on election day. And uh, that was with sudden, President Obama going for Jeremiah Healy. Yeah, this is this is a guy that bucked the political establishment. Swept into office, pledging, you know, and vowing to make change, to make changes and 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 improve life for for folks in Jersey City. Uh, he 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 won he won big, as I said on election day. He's a bright guy. He's very charismatic. I mean, all of a sudden you had a situation where the mayor of Jersey City, you know, I, I you know the reports that that whereas the local media was always the ones that covered Jersey City, all of a sudden you had national media all of a sudden kind of flocking to his events and taking notice of this guy. And I think his big win instantly transformed him into somewhat of a political celebrity. And he's the new Cory Booker of the neighborhood. Is that the idea? He, it, it's very interesting. I mean, the similarities and, and the parallels are obviously there. Um, 
And I think, you know, the truth is, in terms of where he goes from here, I don't know, but speculation abounds as to, to what the future may hold for, for Steve Bullock. But i got to tell you, I mean, this is a guy who's on his way up, and this guy's the limit. Excellent. Biggest political winner. Oh, actually, you had a, I'm sorry, you had a second surprise, right? So, so yeah, I, I'd have to say, if, if you jump back across the river, uh, I'd have to say, and, uh, you know, this may be echoed by others, I'd have to say Bill de Blasio. And, and the reason why I say and, uh, that, we, We've heard that one already. So you got to give yeah. me something new. I need right, new material. So Oh, there we go. So let's jump back to Rockland County for a moment. So Rockland County, um, I hope nobody touched on that as of yet. Not yet. Uh, Rockland County, as you know, is home to a large Orthodox Jewish population. I've um, heard. I've heard that. You've heard that, I know. And <laughs> and uh, this year, for the first time in, in two decades, in 20 years, uh, there was an opportunity to elect a new county executive, as you've discussed on your show uh, on previous occasions. And, you know, there was a, on the Democratic side, there was a hard-fought uh, primary between uh, some folks, each of whom was a uh, you know, political force in their own right. Uh, and on the Republican side, there was no primary, but Ed Day, who's a county legislator, um, you know, basically was, was the flag bearer for the Republican Party on the county level. And he, he just he cleaned house on Election Day. He won in there, big, big decisive margin, you know, throughout, throughout the county, he won big. And here's a guy who swept into office in Rockland County, uh, again, county legislator, former police officer, but, but he, but he assumes the helm of the county government that, that is facing very turbulent times. I mean, there's a lot of fiscally related issues that have to be addressed. There are some, um, ethnic and, and, and issues that, 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 that result from the, you know, the great diversity that Rockland has. And I think Ed Day, um, not just a political winner in the fact that he won, but I think it's a big surprise in the sense that it did, I, I, in my own honest opinion, I think it didn't really matter who the Democrats fielded, meaning if someone else would have won the primary versus the person that did. I think at the end of the day, that day would have emerged victorious regardless of that. And I think that the campaign that he ran, uh, an efficient, effective, and enthusiastic campaign, um, I think this makes this guy, you know, he's, he's a guy that we have to watch in the next couple of years. I think he's... Uh, okay, excellent. That's it for good things. So would, would he... Would would he then would David Free be your biggest political loser after all that well, introduction? I think <laughs> if you're looking at, if you're looking on the Rockland side for a, for a political loser, or, you know, I think I think it has to be David Freed. And the reason why I say that, I think I like David a lot. He, he's a very but he won that hard fought primary. He won the hard fought primary. Quite frankly, when I don't know that everybody, you know, much people, many many people did not even give him that chance. I don't think that he was. It's not like he was a front runner. Um, I think he definitely surprised a lot of people. Um, but by, by, by taking the top spot in the primary, he did have some star power behind him. Um, you know, Congresswoman Nita Lowy. All right. Who is your who is your biggest political loser that that you were coming up with? I'm sorry for preempting you. No, that's all right. But I'd say I'd say and again, I'd say this with no disrespect, but I'd have to say Shelly Silver. Shelly um, Silver. Biggest political I'll, loser. Give I'll, it. Give it to us. And I'll tell you and I'll tell you why. I think, you know, look, as you know, Shelly. And, you know, I'm be, sitting here on Grand Street and you want me to say that. That's terrible. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you exactly why. Shelley, but Shelley quickly, Silver, in, but, in, in, in 140 words or less, characters or less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hashtag, no, I'm kidding. So Shelley, Shelley is obviously one of the most powerful political figures in the state. He does a tremendous amount for not just the Jewish community, but for, for all of New Yorkers and his constituents. Of course, we know. Uh, but 2013 was not kind to him. A um, couple quick things. I mean, the revelation that he had approved that $103,000 payout. The hush uh, money the hush money, if you want to call it that, uh, to victims of sexual harassment uh, at the hands of Assemblyman Vito Lopez, who, by the way, 
might have also been deemed the uh, biggest political loser of the year. Um, you know, it, 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 it raised a lot of eyebrows. It, it led to Shelley facing a barrage of criticism as to his leadership ability, his desire to, to put an end to that kind of behavior, behavior in the Assembly. You also had, um, you had two members of his, of his conference um, indicted for, for corruption and bribery-related issues. Um, you had the whole uh, issue with Willie Ratfogel um, taking a fall. And again, not to, not right. to do with Shelley per se, but, you know, look... Right, Shelley, I guess, I guess it's the things that surround you. Certainly, it, it, the, the, there's some tarnish on the silver, I guess, if the, to put it in a New York Post type of headline. Aaron Trudler from Paul Revere Political, I'm sorry, Paul Revere Public Relations. Uh, I always, you know, politics is tough to get out of any sentence. Aaron, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class and thanks for going through the lightning round. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay, we'll see you again soon. And, uh, that is going to be another, uh, episode here of Spin class, and uh, just to give you my own personal. I was my biggest uh, biggest political story. I think I'm going to go with Snowden because uh, Snowden certainly cha- upended the status quo in no uncertain terms. Biggest political surprise in my mind is the victory. I'm going to make it a little lower of the a uh, uh, little more local is the victory of the three local county executives, Nassau, Westchester, and Rockland. Did not expect the Republicans to be able to carry all three counties. It given the way trends were going, it certainly seemed to be going the other way. Uh, biggest political winner, got to go with Bill de Blasio. Biggest political loser, actually, I was going to go with Vito Lopez. His fall from power in 2013 to really absolute power in Brooklyn to no power and was, was totally unable to make any dent in winning a city council seat. Biggest political loser of 2013. And this has been Spin Class. We will see you next week.